Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Today I'm going to kick off just a two-part message called Small Things Matter. Now, when we kicked off the year, uh, we kicked off the year with this vision, this idea of lifting the sails, lifting our sails, and catching the wind. And the challenge was for all of us, basically, to to make this year the year where God is going to take you to places you never dreamed were even possible. That you're going to lift your sails, you're going to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit, you're going to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you, as scary as it might be, you're going to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into places that you've never even dreamed were even possible for your life. That somehow or another we're believing that God is moving us towards this preferred future and that the best, the best of our lives, and this is probably easier for someone who's younger, but those even if, you, if, if you're of my age and older, the best of your life is yet to come. It's yet to come if we will lift our sails and catch the wind. And I'm so excited because I've already began to hear stories and testimonies of some of you that are like, man, God is moving in my life. I've lifted the sails. I'm catching the wind. God is taking me places I never dreamed of. Now, I realize also that when you ask someone to engage in envisioning for their future, I realize that that sometimes can feel like a daunting task. Because if you assess your life, you think of yourself, you're here. This is where you are right now. Maybe where you are right now, your, your marriage is less than ideal. Your finances are less than ideal. Where you are right now, your relationship with your children is a little bit distant and far and difficult. And you know, you have this preferred future. You know what it could be. You see down the road where you want to go. You know what you want But that seems like such a far distance. And you wonder, is it ever possible that I could go from here to there? It just seems daunting. And oftentimes, as we try to go in that direction, we give up. We cave in. We say we can't possibly do it. It's been my experience, though, as we think about vision and getting to the end of the vision, my experience, even actually the reality of this church. This church started 18 years ago as just a dream. Just a vision. It was my family and, and I and a couple of other people, Chris Carey and others, that said, we believe in this and we're just going to believe for one day. It didn't happen 18 years ago. It's just happened along the way. And so my experience is when we think about this idea of getting to our preferred future, that is oftentimes one obedient step after another. And so today, your obedience set might be simply to lift your sails and catch the wind. And so you lift your sail and, hmm, the wind's not blowing very much, <laughs> but it's blowing and it's taking a particular direction. You just stay faithful to that. The Apostle Paul uses an agricultural <clears throat> saying that I think helps us with this idea of step-by-step Obedience, step by obedience, that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. And we'll talk about that first line here in a few minutes. We won't get to it right now. But he goes on and says, you will always, 
you will always harvest what you plant. And he uses this word right here, he uses always. He doesn't say sometimes you harvest what you plant. That's not what he says. He doesn't say 50% of the time you're gonna harvest what you plant. He says 100% of the time you're gonna harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. But before we get into it, I wanna give you a little insight into my sermon prep. Sometimes when I'm preparing for a message uh, on a, d- during a week before the Sunday, <clears throat> I'll be looking at a passage of scripture and I'll look at that passage of scripture and I'll say to myself, the little thought inside my head says, man, they really need to hear this. Like they, you know, you out there, right? Okay. And I'll say that in my head, I'll say that, you know, and I'll prepare and then I'll get here and I'll preach. And then I realize that, wow, I really needed to hear this. They were just all along for the ride, you know? They, they weren't even, it's like, they, we got that rich. You're the one that needs to deal with that, Right? Then sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes I'm looking at a, at a passage and I'm thinking, man, I really need this in my life. And then it turns out that we all needed this in our life. But then there's sometimes where it's both. <clears throat> Whereas I'm looking, studying a passage, it's just I'm so convinced of the biblical truth that we all need to hear this. Doesn't matter if you've been in the faith for 30 years and it's easy for you to walk in here and say, let's see what, well, let's see what Rich has today. Oh, okay, well, let me check out. I'll start, I'll start doing my grocery list for later, you know, because it's a simple message. Or, or, or maybe you've been new to the faith, you know, and you're like, I don't really know a whole lot of things. You also need to hear this. Or maybe you're here and you're just kind of checking things out. You really would not call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ but you're interested and you want to know more, you can also benefit from this. This, is, this applies to all of us. <clears throat> There's a, a, an idea out there called the cumulative effect. The cumulative effect. And every single one of us in this room right now, whether you believe it or not, every single one of us are experiencing the cumulative effect. Every one of us. There's not a single one in this room that is not experiencing right now the cumulative effect. The word cumulative, the definition of cumulative, is a gradual building up, like it's not all at once. It doesn't happen in, you know, all at one time. It's gradual. It's a gradual building up or something created by gradual additions. And these gradual additions can be minuscule additions. Like we're all experiencing the cumulative effect. Small things build up <clears throat> over time, and they have this cumulative effect in our life. So I've called this series Small Things Matter. They do matter. Who we are, our finances, our relationships, our health, our our, our spiritual life, all are impacted by this little thing called the cumulative effect or these little decisions that we make along the way. Seemingly insignificant, small decisions, but these actions, these decisions, these choices that we make along the way are defining who you and I are. Now, because it's so incremental, we oftentimes don't realize that that's what's happening. Like we're just going through life and it's just kind of happening. And we get to the end and we're like, why am I here? Well, it was kind of like you took the path this way. That's where you went. It's a cumulative effect. And we don't realize it, but it's, it is happening. Here's a few examples of that. Um, A person can become a millionaire by winning the lottery. Right? Is that true? Yeah. Somebody can become a millionaire by winning the lottery. Like one person in 100 million. 
can, that can, they can experience that, right? Since I don't buy lottery tickets, that'll never happen for me, so I'm on the other end of it. You know, I'm the one that's bringing that average down. <laughs> but what's more likely to happen is that a person becomes a millionaire because of some day-in, day-out things that they do. A woman, a young 25-year-old decides, I want to have a million dollars when I retire. And so she decides, I'm not going to drink that fancy coffee anymore. And instead, I'm going to take $5 a day, every single day, and put it into a mutual fund. That mutual fund may yield, probably say, let's say the history of that mutual fund yields about 10%. So I'm going to put $5 a day in that mutual fund over the next 42 years. And when I'm, re- when I'm retirement age, I will have $1.1 million approximately, doing nothing else except putting $5 a day away. Now, that's very easy to do. It's also very easy not to do. Like our friends say, come on, it's just the caramel macchiato. It's not a big deal. Have the coffee. And just basically dismiss it altogether. Because after all, it's just $5. It's easy to do, and it's easy not to do. Conversely, when I talk to some people who have been in debt, and maybe they have a $25,000 credit card debt, I'm pretty sure, I mean, this may happen, but I'm pretty sure they didn't just walk into the mall one day and walk out with $25,000 of credit card debt. It's not usually how it happened. It wasn't one big shopping spree. You ask them, how did this happen? How did you have, how do you possibly have $25,000 in credit card debt? And they'll tell you something like, I'm not really exactly sure. It was kind of like $20 here and $30 there and $50 here. And I needed those new pants and um, I liked that hat. And well, you know, I didn't have enough money in my checking account. So I paid for gas with my credit card. And you know, that's kind of how it happens. And you end up down. So this principle, this cumulative effect, this, these small things can work for you or they can work against you. Another example, this is kind of a disturbing picture, is in our health. Um, <laughs> and you know this is fake because I've only been gone two weeks. So I'm working on it. No, this is, actually this would never, now Gabe Arnold over here. Now he should be in this picture. Gabe, Gabe by the way, is our, he's Pan American wrestling gold medalist. Just one this summer, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he probably has a body like this. Um, this, would, this would require, for me, this would require, like, divine intervention. Like, <laughs> miracles would have to happen. This could never happen, right, number one. But, but here's the reason why this is not, this is why you can, you look at me now, and you can look at this picture, and say, this is, this is bogus, Rich. This is AI going on. This is not, this is not real, because... Because it's only been two weeks that you've not seen me. This happens, this happens because somebody faithfully says, okay, I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to resist the urges of my body and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out. And then I'm going to do that day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. Then I'm going to sit at the dinner table and I mean, I want to eat that pizza or I want to eat that, but instead I'm going to eat something that's more healthy for me. Something that will build muscle that'll cause me to be leaner in my fat. That's how this happens. 
You can help us in our health. Oh, you can let's get rid of that picture. <clears throat> it's even true in our relationships. I've had the unfortunate experience of talking with people when they come to me and they say, Pastor, we're, we're getting a divorce. And um, I ask them, you know, what happened? I never, I've never heard th- this response. Nobody's ever said, well, we loved, we were absolutely head over heels for each other yesterday, but today we have to get a divorce. Never, I've never heard that. Usually when you ask the question, what happened, they'll say something like to, the, to, this, to this effect. They'll say, well, we don't really know, but we've just grown out of love with each other. We've fallen out of love with each other. <clears throat> it's the cumulative effect at work. Each criticism, each ignored emotion was just one more brick added to this wall. And the wall kept getting higher and higher and bigger and bigger. And before long, the wall seems insurmountable. There's no way I can get over it. There's no way I can get around it. We have no other choice except to get a divorce. This cumulative effect can also work for us relationally in a positive way. A couple gets married, they decide that they're going to pray with each other every night before they go to bed. That's the decision they make. We're going to pray together every night before we go to bed. And it's not like they start praying every night before they go to bed and then like say 10 years into it, suddenly there's this, just like the Holy Spirit comes down into that bedroom and, and just this revelation happens and now they are just totally in love with each other. That's not what happens. Typically what happens is they do that on a regular basis over time. And it ends, later on in life, you look at them, you're like, man, they just, they just love each other. There's this deep intimacy between them, and it's because they have cultivated that day in and day out, day in and day out. This is true for us in every area of our lives. <clears throat> we tend to be defined by the things that are easy to do, but also easy not to do. That's important for us to understand that. Because I think we walk through life with this idea that if I, would, if I was just spiritual, if I just, you know, if I just go to church enough and I just do these kind of things, if I'm just like, if I have this right mindset about these things, that everything should go fine. And we want, a bit, we want those big moments in our life. We want to be able to pray and God heals our marriage completely. That happens. But typically it happens because you start doing the right thing day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. This is reality. We are defined by the things that are easy to do and easy not to do. <clears throat> I think this, sometimes we don't, we don't recognize that. Like I think we oftentimes walk through life in crisis. There's a crisis going on in my, in, my, in my marriage. There's a crisis going on in my life. There's a crisis going on in my work. And I'm just waiting God for, to do this miraculous divine intervention. And so I think the Apostle Paul wants to address that with us. He wants to explain why things happen the way they happen. What's interesting, he, this passage we're looking at is in Galatians chapter 6. It comes immediately after Galatians chapter 5 where Paul talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. That, this, that there's the Holy Spirit planting seed in our life and that seed is turning into love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all the others. But then Paul kind of follows that up with a warning about other seed being planted. 
And that we can't fool God. In fact, this is what he says. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked or God can't be fooled. A man reaps what he sows. Basically, Paul's saying, listen, you can't fool God. You can fool your parents. You can fool your teacher. You can fool your spouse. But you can't fool God. Essentially, what Paul's talking talking about here is a law that's in place. The law of sowing and reaping. It's like built into the universe. These are laws that God has, has established. And they cannot be, you cannot unestablish them. You can't bypass them. Now, God may choose miraculously to do some things for you that appears like you're defying the law of sowing and reaping. But this is a law that's been put in place. Like, I, I really don't fully understand the law of gravity, for example. Like, I don't know it technically or scientifically, all the details. I can't explain it that way, but I know it. I feel its effect. Now, I might choose to say, well, I don't believe in the law of gravity. I mean, after all, you, God, you said it, but I don't know if I believe that. I can choose not to believe it doesn't make it not true. I could choose to ignore it to my detriment, right? Like I could be at the top of a building and say, well, I don't really believe. I have faith to defy gravity, and I could just walk off, and, you know, and somehow or another, you'll be like, hey, we're searching for a new pastor at Life Church, you know? <clears throat> And so it is with the law of sowing and reaping. It just is. You don't have to believe it. It just is. And it either works for you or it works against you. And so God kind of explains this in, in physical ways. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant. Notice that. Seed-bearing plant. Where am I? Seed-bearing plant. Okay, so there's a talk here about seed. Seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. Again, seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. These seeds will produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. These seeds will not produce plants and trees that are different than where they came from. It's a law. It's, it's just immutable. It is, okay? And that is what happened And so I want to look at the law of sowing and reaping for the next few minutes. And I want to point to some things that I think are obvious. You know them. You you absolutely know them. And you might be saying, well, Rich, why are we talking about this? Can't you bring something more deep and more theological? But I'm telling you, this applies to every single one of us, especially if you're here today and you're saying, I just, I want to get from here to there. There are some things that you can do. First, um, first idea here is that the seed you plant matters. What you plant actually matters. I know this is obvious. I know you know this. It matters. Like if you want corn, you don't plant soy. You're listening to me like, well, that's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. Of course. If you want pear trees, you want to eat pears, You don't take out apple seeds and start planting apple seeds. And if you want pears and you plant apple seeds, please don't be surprised and angry if you get apples. And yet I think this is how we operate sometimes. We want something, but that's not what we're we're planting. 
We want this, but this is what we're planting instead. The seed you plant matters. And so Paul tells us we shouldn't be surprised when what we put in the ground is what we get out of the ground. And so if you sow seeds of greed and selfishness, you're going to reap a harvest of discontentment. If you sow seeds of laziness and passivity, you're going to reap a harvest of disappointment and regrets. If you sow seeds of anger and rage, you're going to reap a harvest of arguments and constant discord. It's just what it is. And I think sometimes when we find ourselves in this place, what, we ha- what happens is that we, we don't deal with the seed. We don't ask ourselves. We don't look at ourselves and say, okay, this is what's happening. We don't look at the seed and say, we say, whose fault is it? It's not mine. And we try to figure out who's, who, who else out there is. Who's responsible for the behavior that's coming out of my life, the fruit that I'm finding in my life, the harvest of my life. Who else is responsible for that? And so we'll say things like, you know, I wouldn't be so full of rage if my dad hadn't been so mean to me when I was a kid. Well, I wouldn't be lusting if, if my wife was just more attentive to me. We use these as excuses. We tend to blame other people. Or sometimes we blame God, a husband comes to me, and this actually happened. He was angry because his wife left him. And this is a question he posed to me. He says, how could God let this happen? Like, how could God let this happen? And I had to kind of ask a few questions of him. Like, wait, did God do this? Is God making this happen in your life? I mean, what did you think was going to happen after 15 years of neglect? What kind of harvest were you expecting out of that? Were you expecting a fruitful, joyful marriage, or were you expecting this? Or a wife comes and she wants love and intimacy with her in, in her relationship, but the seed, the seed that she's been planting is that of control and criticism. What do you think happens when you plant those kind of seeds, Right? Or maybe you want the fruit of the spirit of joy to grow in your life. You want to be more joyful. You want to be more positive. But you continue to sow seeds of bitterness. You refuse to extend forgiveness to other people. What do you expect is going to happen when you're sowing bitterness and and unforgiveness? Will you actually live out a joyful life? This is really what Paul is addressing. He says the seed that you plant matters. It matters. In fact, this is how he says in verse 8, he says, whoever sows to please their flesh, if I sow to please my flesh, if I sow out of just like a knee-jerk reaction, this is how I feel, this is what I'm going to do, these are the things I'm going to say, this is how I'm going to act. If I sow to please my flesh, from the flesh I will reap destruction. But if I sow to please the Spirit, from the Spirit I will reap destruction. Eternal life. So the law of sowing and reaping can go against us or can work for us. And I know you might be saying, wow, Rich, you came back and you seem to be angry. I'm not angry. (laughs) This is just such a real principle and I think that we ignore it. Or we don't believe it. Or we think we have time to correct it, to somehow or another plant that seed, but then later I'll come up and dig up that seed and I'll plant different seed. The seed that you plant matters. Another real obvious truth is that the seed won't grow until it's planted. The seed won't grow until it's planted. <clears throat> it's an obvious truth. 
But it's also true is that we tend to ignore this. We tend to think that, you know, like we know, like you and I, we know what we should be doing. We know what's right. We know the, the choices that we should be making. We actually oftentimes even know it when we make the bad choice. We make the bad choice and we say to ourselves, there's a little dialogue in our heads. I really shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing this. I really shouldn't be saying this. I should be saying that. We, that happens. We know these things. That's why Jesus says in, in Matthew 7, he says, it is the wise man who hears these words, and then what does he do? He puts them into practice. Essentially what Jesus is saying, that you, everyone in this room, you all have the capacity to sit here Sunday after Sunday, hear what is right, hear what, is, what you should be doing, and walk out these doors and not do anything at all. You have the capacity to do that. Or you have the capacity to hear these words and then leave these, this building and actually put it into practice. And you're going to get two different outcomes from that. And what's constant is that everybody's hearing the right thing to do. A few years back, I went to Lowe's uh, just as a qualifier here. I'm going to speak for myself. My wife is looking at me like, what are you about to say? I'll speak for myself, but it involves her. <laughs> we don't, we're not, we're not green thumb people. Sorry. We're, I know we're in Iowa and, you know, everybody in Iowa at heart is a farmer and knows things and knows things about how to grow stuff. You know, I grew up in a big city in Panama City, you know, it was a, we had a tiny little house and there was no yard and there was this little patch of green in the back of our house and my grandfather said, that's too much green, let's concrete it over. So he concreted over a little bit of green in the back of our house, you know, so, so we, I just don't know how to grow stuff, you know, but I was looking at my house, I thought we need to do something, we look, it looks like a prison, the front of my house. So I got to do something, you know. So I go to Lowe's to find some kind of, figure out some kind of flowers or something to do. You know, this is when we bought the, what do you call those flowers that we have now? The yellow ones that grow in the front. Daffodils? That's what they are? They're daffodils. She said it. I don't know. See, I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> but uh, so I go, I go to Lowe's and I'm shopping, you know, looking around. And I came up to this, you know how they had this rack with all these uh, uh, little packets of seed? And I started looking through them. There's like some really weird things that you can grow. But I noticed there was like these uh, petunias. And they're really colorful. You know, they show all these different colors. And I'm like, man, that would be awesome to have in our front yard. You know, these petunias, you know. So I buy these two little packets of petunia seeds, you know. And I'm all excited. And, and I'm talking to somebody because I don't really know how to do it. So I call Gary Colossic. I say, hey, Gary, what are you? And he's kind of explaining it to me. He says, but you know, you're not going to see anything this year. Or maybe not even next year. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this, is not, this is not right. And so I took the seeds, I put them in my glove compartment, and then I went back to Lowe's and I bought an actual plant, the, daff the daffodils that are sitting in my front yard, and I planted those, you know. That was a few years back. Well, a few years later, I'm selling my truck, and I'm, you know how you clean out your truck and everything? I'm cleaning out my truck, and in my glove compartment are those two little packets of of petunia seeds, you know, nothing happened. I, you know, like I didn't open my glove compartment and say, what? No petunias, what's wrong with these seeds? I didn't do that. Like I knew that the reason why there were just packets of seed is because they had not yet been planted. 
I didn't get angry at the petunia seeds. I didn't get angry at the ground. I didn't get angry at Iowa weather or anything like that because the seed was not planted. I have a tendency in my life to know some things, to understand some things, to know what God wants me to do in certain areas, but then I take those things and I put them in the glove compartment. And then later I wonder, I know all this stuff. Why isn't it happening in my life? It has to be planted. Until it gets planted or put into practice, nothing really changes. And here's the third simple truth I want to finish with. Is that you will always reap more. You'll always reap more than you sow. And this is obvious, right? Like nobody plants you know, plants apple seeds and expects to get one apple out of it. You hope to get a harvest of apples, right? You hope that you just get bushels and bushels of apples. That's what you want. It's the law of sowing and reaping, and it teaches us that these small things matter. They matter. You will always reap more than you sow. It's either going to be great blessing or it could be great destruction. <clears throat> It's easy for us to think, oh, you know what, Rich, I know, I know you're talking about these small things, but I'm young, and it's just one date. I mean, I know the guy's kind of sketchy, and I know he's, you know, he doesn't have a, he's not a Christian. He really doesn't believe the stuff I believe. I know, but, but, you, but Rich, you know, it's just one date. It's one time. It's not a big deal. And I want to say, I know, I know it's just one date. I know, I know, but listen, here's a law at work. You will always reap more than you sow. It can work for you or it can work against you. It can work for you like if you start spending more time. I love this. I have these, these, um, along the way we've had these people who've given their life to Jesus and they, you know, when they tell me their story, when they first come to Christ and they tell me their story, I'm like, whoa, I did not know that about your life. That's pretty crazy, you know? And, 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 and sometimes it's, it's, it's so miraculous what's happened in their life but I love that as, as they move along in their journey, I love these light bulb moments that happen for them. Like they, like they're, like they, they, you know, they come from a really difficult background and then they get saved and things don't change right away. You know, there's a lot of issues. There's language things that they're struggling with. There's mentality things that they're struggling with, you know. But, but they commit themselves to start reading the scriptures and praying. And they start doing that on a regular basis, you know? And it happens more and then more and then more. And then there's this moment, like this light bulb comes on. And they're like, and, they, and I love it when I hear them say that to me. Because I just knew that at some point that light bulb was going to come on. That they, they're talking and all of a sudden they say, you know what? Five years ago, you hear this like this. Five years ago, if this happened, I would have never responded that way. Ten years ago, if this had happened, I would have done this completely different. And I just want to say, I mean, I'm excited for them. I'm proud of them. I encourage them. But I want to say, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Small things matter. You always reap more than what you sow. It works for you, and it can work against you. You can take this principle into your marriage. Christy, early on in our marriage, she bought this little um, um, inspirational calendar. It's like a little... It, you know, it opens up and it's, you flip the days and, you know, today's January 1st or today's whatever, August 6th or August 7th, you know, and you flip the days and it has these little inspirational quotes. 
And along the way, Christy would write on, on that, and she would say things like, Rich, you're so handsome. I love you very much. Or today is Jonathan's birthday. He's, he, and say something prophetically positive towards Jonathan. And she would just do this on a regular basis. We don't do that anymore. We have the calendar, but we don't do that anymore. But you need to understand that those were small little, with seemingly insignificant things, but what they have done is that they have developed love and deep, deep relationship with one another. You can do that in your marriage. You can make the decision to do that. <clears throat> Start sowing some seeds of affirmation and encouraging your spouse. Maybe a little bit of encouragement every day it's easy to do. It's easy also not to do. So how do you do this? Let's all stand. We're going to stand. We're going to end. How do we do this? Maybe what we need to start doing is paying attention to the areas of our life. So how do we, okay, Rich, I get you. I'm, I'm tracking with you. Small things matter. They're easy to do. They're easy not to do. I get that, all that. Well, what do I do today? How do I do this? Well, part of it is to stop and look at yourself and say, okay, what are the areas of my life that I'm really feeling some frustration about? So maybe, maybe right now, and if you're watching in Cedar Rapids or Wilton, you, you track with me a little bit. Maybe right now you feel a little bit of frustration about debt. You're struggling with your debt and this is bothering you and it's disturbing you. Find yourself sometimes just not having enough, you know, at the end of the month. So maybe the easy thing to do, it might seem very insignificant, but look at that one credit card debt, the smallest one you have, it's $295. And you've been paying $9.76 a, a month on. <laughs> and you're wondering, it's not getting smaller. <clears throat> and maybe the decision is, I'm going to focus in on that one credit card and pay that thing off. And so I'm going to spend, instead of the 970, I'm going to put $50 a month down on that. I'm going to take from here and take from there. I'm going to put $50 a month. I'm going to pay that thing off. And it's paid off in six months. Now you have $59.76 available to pay on the next one. And you start paying on that. It seems insignificant. It seems small. I'm intentionally using some very small numbers because most of us will spend that at Starbucks today. You already did. But this is how it compounds as you start doing this day in and day out, day in. I promise you, 10 years from now, you'll be th saying, Rich, thanks for telling me to do that because we are completely debt-free. That's how it works. Or maybe it's relationally. Maybe, maybe the situation right now in your, in your, is that you, you want a better relationship with your spouse and you're not exactly sure what to do. So husbands, what if you did this? What if you make a commitment today to every evening reach over and grab your wife's hand and you don't even have to do it formally. Just grab her hand and whisper a prayer of blessing and ask God to bless her and to help her, help her with her anxiety, help her with her job, help her with whatever. What if you just did that? Small things matter. And I hope that gets into our heads. Small things matter. God wants to transform your life. He wants to take you from here to there. And I wish that I could snap my fingers today and you would be there today. But the reality is you'll get there 
one obedient step at a time. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your loving kindness. We thank you, Jesus, that you want the best for us. Now, Father, you survey this crowd right now and you see their hearts, you see where they've been, you know their journey that they're on, you know the struggles that they're experiencing, the, f- the difficulties that they feel challenged with, God, and you know everything about them. And you've given us these tools, a seed that can be planted that's gonna reap a harvest. So, Father, this morning, would you, would you encourage us, lead us, Father God, to start today planting the seeds that matter, to do it, to plant it, and to start believing you, God, for a harvest in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Jesus, today we commit ourselves to faithfulness and obedience to you, Jesus, in everything we do. We hear what you said. Those who hear the word and put it into practice, those are the ones who are wise. So, Father, today we choose wisdom to receive what you're telling us, and to put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.